This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast, brought to you by Gold Rock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. Welcome, everybody, to the Definitely Uncertain Podcast. My name is Darren Rockman, and I'm a partner at Gold Rock Capital, the 20-year-old multifamily office servicing high net worth families in Israel and around the world. And it is my very great pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Daniel Bernard. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Darren. Pleasure to be here. Well, Daniel, it's great to have you. Daniel is an old friend and one of the people who knows the world of sports better than anybody else I know. Daniel's been involved in sports business uh, for a couple of decades. And we wanted to spend uh, the time today talking a little bit about sports investing and um, you know w- what's going on in that uh, world, an, an area we've never touched on the podcast before, and I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. So Daniel, to start with, uh, give us a little bit of your background. Uh, okay. And indeed, we are old friends, but uh, you know, you say old, a bit less of the old, I think, you know, I'm trying to pretend that I'm still a bit young, but anyway, yeah, we've been <laughs> each other for, for what seems a bit too, too many years. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I was born in the UK. I moved to Israel in 99. Um, as you said, been involved in, in the business of sports in some form or another for about 20 years, uh, from media and broadcast, set up a data analytics company in 2004. <clears throat> That's been my anchor, I think, since then. Um, also had a lot of experience in the sports betting world, having set up platforms for emerging markets for the last few years. And in the last year or so, probably close to two years now, I've turned my attention to investing in the uh, world of sports and sports technology. Uh, and it's honestly, it's a real privilege to be able to deal for so long in something that you love and something that's close to your heart. People talk about following your passion. I'm a lucky guy. That's what I managed to live with. <laughs> that's yeah. fabulous. Well, lucky, lucky for you and, and, and good on you. Um, so to tell us a little bit about how investing in sport is the same or or different uh, to other forms of investing. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, as as you know, my my experience in the investment world is not exactly that, uh, uh, that wide. You know, I, I tend to leave it to the professionals uh, in a large way. But I think that almost touches on how sports is very, very different from an investing point of view. Uh, when people think about investing in stocks, bonds, commodities, it's there's not much passion there. It's just a pure investment deal for the ROI and hoping to make money. Right. When it's sports, it's always connected to people's passion. You know, it, there's a huge psychological um, uh, take on this as well. People love thinking about, I've got an investment in a in a sports data company that's driving digital marketing to a different level or take it even to a, a different place, even if to say that I've got an investment in a sports franchise or a club or a team, you know, people love saying that there's a big ego play here as well. So I think that's what makes it different. Um, in, but the problem is, is that sometimes that can uh, create huge inefficiencies in the investment as well, because people are dragged by their ego and that psychological element here. And where it's the same is that it's still business. You know, the fundamentals are still in play. When you're investing, you shouldn't ignore ever, and you should keep a total focus, not only not ignore, but keep a total focus on what's the ROI, what's the potential, what's the market, and understanding all those in order to make a wise investment. So from that point of view, it's exactly the same, but it's never going to be the same because of that psychological element. Right, right. Um, So if you think about uh, sort of the world of sports investment, there seems to be a lot of activity that's bubbling up over the last couple of years. What, what, is, what has changed? Why is this taking off now? 
um, as opposed to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, I think it's definitely connected to the change in the way people consume sports. So mm. when we think about what we typically call millennials or Gen Z, um, the way they watch sport is different to how, you know, talk about old friends, how you and I would have watched a game of uh, football years ago where we just sit right. and watch it start to finish. My son's 19. He will not watch a game of football like that anymore, um, but he will know everything about it. He'll be consuming highlights, information from various different platforms, and he will know more than I would ever know about the game going on at the time without watching it. So it's a very mm. different type of interaction with the sport itself. And with that change, which is well before COVID, uh, for example, that started, I'd say, you know, to really shift about five, six years ago, um, especially off the back of the growth of social media. Uh, that the people working in sports, whether it's the companies or the clubs or the marketers, have had to think about how do we address that different consumption of sport? How do we gather the data to give the, the those new consumers what they want? And the growth in technology in parallel to that uh, has allowed new companies to answer that need very, very, uh, very much over the last few years. Now, COVID came and really just exacerbated all of that. It took mm. what was already happening and accelerated it many times because people all of a sudden couldn't go to the stadium. They couldn't watch in the normal way. So their digital consumption uh, went through the roof. And so COVID was actually a huge opportunity where it obviously hit hard uh, the sports world. It was also a huge opportunity for startups who could move quickly to fill a growing need. Right. So, so sort of a move from stadiums and networks to you know, social media, startups and, and, and sort of multi-channel digital content. Definitely. And um, being able to lock all those together as well. So there's a big data play. I mean, I've got a big focus on data. I'm always thinking about that first and foremost, but there's a huge data play here. If you can understand how um, a person who bought a Chicago Bulls hat, whether he was a Chicago Bulls fan, diehard fan, or whether he was just a, a tourist that was tra traveling through Chicago and fancy picking up a hat, that's important to how you then interact with that fan afterwards for, as, right. as one example um because and and, and, and and there are companies out there who who are actually connecting the dots like that they're let's put it this way they're trying there's a lot of gdpr issues here of course and things like that but privacy yeah. companies actually uh the first one that springs to mind is a company that i've uh, done some work with pump jack data works who are doing exactly that they're trying to gather all the relevant interactions from fans um with their club that they support to leverage that better, to give, to understand it, it's not just about knowing your customers, knowing your customer's behavior these days. Mm. So it's saying, okay, if he is a diehard fan, we want to give him more loyalty points and, and uh, spoil him more. But if he was just a tourist that was on his one visit to Chicago ever, we, we don't really right. need to give him an option to come back and, and watch again because he's not interested. And right. knowing that will be able to drive the the potential benefits uh, from a business point of view much uh, much higher. So there are definitely companies, Project DataWorks, as I say, out of Dallas is one example, but there are a number on the radar. Right. Okay. So so alongside this sort of move to to you know a more a broader base of investable options within the sports world, uh, we're also seeing the uh, the entry into the investment uh, universe of some high profile names. Um, how, how you know what, what's going on there, and, and how is that impacting uh, the, the overall market? Yeah, so this is very interesting. I think that um, the market's moved from. Um, uh, let's think of a couple of examples. You've got Michael Jordan. You know, many years ago, bought a stake in the Washington Wizards. Okay, and there was a lot of uh, plays like that that were happening. But now it's taken to another level, where you've got uh, LeBron James, who's 
people now refer to him as even as an entrepreneur investor. It, it's not just buying a stake in a in a club that he loves or, or likes. He's also investing in sports and sports technologies uh, in a private capacity. Um, David Beckham, uh, one of the biggest figures in, in world football, even though he stopped playing a while ago, he set up a fund called David Beckham Ventures, which is quite well known on the circuit for investing only in sports and sports technology. Now, of course, when you've got David Beckham's name on it, this has a huge impact beyond just bringing capital to the company. If people know that David Beckham's the face, uh, then that's bringing huge extra value. Um, so there's a big PR play here around it as well. And I think right. sports stars realize that. Um, another example, you've got Mark Cuban, uh, owner of the Dallas mm. Mavericks. Um, he has made huge strides in investment, not just in sports, by the way, but in, in a number of areas. Uh, big focus on, on advanced tech, blockchain, NFTs, Lots of stuff that people think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. <laughs> you know that sort of stuff. <laughs> but he's considered now one of the foremost entrepreneurs in the world of sport, and people will listen to what Mark Cuban does. A bit like when Elon Musk tweets something, everyone runs after it. Right. In the world of sports, if Mark Cuban makes a move, everyone will go after it, almost whether it's right or wrong. It's uh, these are big influential moves in the world. So of sport. they're actually they're they're not only investors, but they're they're influencing the markets and they're moving markets. Absolutely. And they know this and they're trying to leverage that quite rightly um, for their own personal benefit, of course. Okay. So so now let's move it to sort of more practical angle. An investor who wants to be able to access the world, you know, the expanded group of opportunities. Uh, you know, not everybody is a Mark Cuban or a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, certainly I'm not. Uh, in fact, I lost my tennis game this morning uh, terribly, but we'll put that aside. Um, so so how does how does an investor access this market? You know, at, at what, what's the way in? So if you're, um, if you're let's say, an angel investor, um, you've got a – let, let's put some numbers on it, really, because I think that uh, you need like a certain ticket size to be able to, to play the game, just like every investment, really. Um, so I'd say $25K, $50K, if you've got those sorts of tickets and you want to invest in sports, because people want to invest in sports. Right. Like I said before, it's a it's an emotional play here. How do you do it? It's, it is really difficult because if you're not involved and you don't have the background in sports business, then you've got to be very careful um, because yeah, it's, it's, you're saying it's, it's not enough just to be a sports fan or to think no. you understand how football goes like. Absolutely. And you know what? That's going back to an earlier question you had, which is where it's different. I think sports is the only sphere that I can think of where you see startups being run by people who have literally got no experience in the sports business world. Right. They're a fan and they think they know sports business. So they start something and, and I've had pitches to me um, and you think, you guys are trying to create, let's say, a new exchange uh, for sports betting, for example, or some aug augmented reality technology that you think is going to be great because you're looking at it from a fan point of view. But again, the fundamentals are clear. Do you understand what the, how the market works? Do you understand the competition? And you can do your research, of course, but there's nothing like coming from the market and from the business itself. Right. And if you think about, let's take biotech. I can't imagine there are many biotech startups that are run by people who haven't worked in biotech. It just doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Why would they be yeah. doing? Whereas sports has that, which right. then think about it from an investment point of view, that raises the the possibility of failure quite quite significantly. Do, do you actually think that the, the the failure rates in sports business are is higher than than in other? Yeah, yeah for sure. It's an inherently uh, risky business, and that means that from an investor point of view, you've got to be very very careful. Uh, where you invest, of course. And 
And because it's sports, things can be nice and shiny and sexy and you get the, the sports fan mode. Right. And you think, wow, that looks so cool. But if you don't know the product market fit and the startup doesn't know the product market fit, then your chance of succeeding, I mean, it can happen, but they're just less, of course. Right. It, it's all logical. So the way to go about it, there's a really nice growth in uh, angel groups um, or even VCs uh, that are created by sports business professionals. Okay, People even like myself that have had at least a decade of experience in a specific area of the sports world. Sports is quite wide as well. Um, I can mention, let's say, Mindspring Capital. I, I, I've worked with them a lot. I think they're a great group of guys. And the partners there have at least 20 years experience in different domains in sport. It might be venue management. It might be um, data technology. Uh, it might be sports betting. Right. And together, they will have a fantastic idea, better than most, of how a startup can reach the market correctly. Of course, they have huge added value because of connections to the market. Uh, KB Partners out of Chicago, another great company. Total, total focus on sports and sports technology. Raised a, a very big fund. And I think getting involved with these people, it's like everything. Let the experts do the job so you can feel comfortable having a sports investment, but run by people who will increase the chance of that coming to fruition. Right, right. So so sort of it's the old rule of venture capital investing that it's 110% about the people. And in this case, it's not just people that like sports or have played sports, but people who understand the economics of sports and, and how these businesses are built and run. For sure. I mean, the... You know, I, I mentioned before the exchange uh, uh, example. I've had countless pitches on people who think that the new wave of sports betting in the States, which is you know, a huge market at the moment and, right. and very exciting for people to get involved in. So they're saying, we're going to make a new platform that pitches uh, better against better, a peer-to-peer exchange. Right. Now, I know that this is hugely difficult to execute because of my experience. I know that exchange uh, requires a high level of liquidity, which is hard to get to that critical mass. It's not like the financial markets at all. Right. Very, very difficult. Uh, there's only really been one exchange that you can say has ex- uh, succeeded in the world, and even then it's hard, hard work. Um, but if you don't know that, then you don't know the pitfalls, and right. you're going to learn along the way. It's and, and, and the people you're investing with don't know it either, and then they, you know, they're going to be getting an education uh, with your money, and that's never a good thing. Exactly. And look, there's always a, an element of luck, but you don't want it to be too big. You, know? right. you don't want it to be that big. It can't all reside on luck. Okay, so so now let's sort of just talk about some some of the trends that are going on on the tech side of sports. What 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 are you sort of seeing there? That's that's you know we're, we're going to start to feel the influence of that in in three, four, five, ten years time. Hmm. Okay, I mean that's interesting. There are so many different directions. I think the biggest area, um, and this is not new, but it's just becoming bigger, is uh, trying to get the attention of the sports fan. Okay, right. so. It's all about getting the relevant eyeballs on your platform or, or if you're a B2B provider, helping those platforms get the relevant eyeballs through more fan engagement. Um, right. If we think about what I said before about the way the new, uh, new consumers of sport are looking into it, it's not one way anymore. You're not just sitting there receiving um, a feed of football or, or a game of sport. You're interacting with it. So I'm, I'm seeing very interesting technologies now allowing a two-way flow of information through gamification, for example, because people want that, that interaction with something. They don't just want to sit back and watch. And people have got tiny attention spans. So they're never need, shrinking. 
unbelievable. You know, I feel even myself, you know, I just, I now can't, I, I also can't watch a game without doing something else, having some sort of interest um, uh, on the side. And it would be best if that interest was connected to the game I'm watching. So imagine if you're now getting a, a, a game of sports stream to your phone, if you get pop-ups, like what's going to be the next thing to happen and you can interact and have that two-way dialogue with the event. That's, I think, a major key. Now, um, I think that's a, a focus for a lot of startups, how to do it in a way that's intuitive, that is sticky. That's, those are the big questions that people yep. are dealing with. And when I look at companies that are um, pitching those sorts of options, that's what I'm looking at. But you know what I've learned over the last few, few months, looking at so many of these, is that it's so hard to know which of these are going to be the winners. And at the VC level, more institutional money, everyone's saying, come back to me when you've actually shown me that it works because I don't right. want to get. And VCs are actually happier to take the higher valuation, quite rightly so, on companies that have already shown that their product is sticky because technology is moving so fast, it's difficult to know what is actually going to work. It's all a bit of a guess. Right. Okay. Give us another one. Give us another trend that's going on in the market. So, um, okay, I'll tell you one that's that I see a lot of, which I think is too early, but it will be potentially, and I'll say I'm careful with my words here, potentially a big play, but in many years, um, is the whole augmented reality. Uh, so it, it comes again in that engagement space. Right. I think too early because to really leverage what people call augmented reality, so you've got the, the game itself, and that could be, let's, let's take an example, I'm in, I'm in the stadium, uh, something on my phone that I hold up my phone and I get some extra information jumping out of me at my phone with the game actually going on in the background, for example. Right. I'm, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think the whole idea, take it one level further, glasses, you know, these AR yep. glasses that, that show me the game in my living room. I saw um, some technology from a startup recently. And when you put these on, you go, my God, that's sexy. That's cool. But cool doesn't cut it. You know what? It, you have to think, is it the sort of like 3D glasses? How many of yeah. us bought a TV in the last five, 10 years with 3D glasses, used it once, thought that's cool, and then put it back in the right. box? You know? And that's the thing. You, like, give, you give it to your kids, right? You say, here, here, you know, you, you'll use this. Exactly. And so it's just, it's, it's really trying to get the right timing with everything. And, and I'm, I'm not sold on the fact that people are going to sit in their living rooms with these glasses, having a party with all these NBA players around them, you know, jumping out of the screen. I, Right. But maybe when it's in a more natural environment, then that will happen. So that's an example of one which I see a lot of, which I, I don't think is the right timing. Um, right. One which I, I really believe in, um, and again, I go back to the data play, that's what I, <laughs> I've dealt with for so many years, <laughs> sure. is that um, I think that there is so much that we have to learn about the way people uh, interact with sport that the, the really interesting plays are, are ones that people don't see from a front end. It's, it's who can best integrate these different data points correctly and then not just deliver that information, but deliver the conclusions for that, from that information to know better how people are interacting. So, what, what do you mean by conclusions? So let's say um, uh, Fanatics, okay? So a platform that sells merchandise, sports yep. merchandise. Um, you've got Chicago Cubs. I'm always going back to Chicago in my examples. Okay. <laughs> Chicago Cubs will have their merchandise on Fanatics. Uh, a player will buy the, the cat, a Cubs cap or the jumper. A from fan, yeah. In a fan. The, the Chicago Cubs will get their money from Fanatics, but they will have no idea about who that fan is. Okay? But Fanatics know. 
It's just that fanatics for their business model don't really care, but the Cubs care. Okay. Because the Cubs could, should care. Hang on. Who's buying our merchandise? How do we interact with them? Where do they where do they live? You know, are there um, uh, partnerships that we can create with? And I've seen this happen as well, where where um, uh, through the leverage of data, um, I saw it with the um, uh, Miami uh, MLS team. They realized that a certain section of their season ticket holders actually live right next to a Dunkin' Donuts or very close. So then they, mm-hmm. that enabled them to go to the Dunkin' Donuts place and say, let's do a bit of a, a cooperation here to right. leverage that knowledge. But without that knowledge, you're not, you don't know that, of course. And so right. I feel that that, you know, that people say data is the new oil, you know, and I think that's sometimes a bit exaggerated. But if you're at the start of the data flow of really understanding what's going on and with the technologies that are now available to, to really, you know, people talk a lot about machine learning, but if you've got a big enough data set, you can really learn a lot that you wouldn't understand normally. Um, right. Even if you just use simple algorithms, once you've got the data, you can do a lot more. And so I find those investments, which look a lot less sexy than the augmented reality and all right. that, I find those fascinating. More uh, compelling. Big, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So then sort of rounded off, if you had to focus in on sort of the types of, you know, some of the pitfalls um, of investing in sports, uh, you know, you, you you mentioned before, you know, just because you're a sports fan or someone's or someone happens to be a lover of sport doesn't mean that they're going to automatically be a great you know, manager of a company or, or a great investor. But, but you know, what other pitfalls do you have to be careful of that you may not see in other, in other areas of investment? Um, I think the main ones really connect back to that is that it's so easy because you're passionate about it to get, to get dragged away from critical thinking, logical thinking. I mean, I, it happens to me. I love sports. And so I find myself sometimes in due diligence getting all carried away. And then I need some finance guy next to me to tell me that these numbers just cold, don't add up. The cold, bu- the cold bucket of water over your head. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and so it's if, if I can get dragged into that after having been involved in the sports business world for 20 years, then someone who doesn't have that experience right. could, will get, in, get dragged that way without even realizing it. So I think that's really important is to constantly have a list, a checklist of of pure investment values that don't change, you know, that yeah. they really don't change. And just looking at team is so critical, experience is so critical, you know, and I think most investors would say the founding team is, is so important. Do they have a background in the startup that they're, uh, that they're pushing? Um, and do they have product market fit? It's same for any investment, really. Um, it's just in sport, it is so easy. And I, and I guarantee you, Darren, there are VCs that make this mistake. VCs right. with pure, sporting pedigree will still make this mistake and i was on the due diligence school last week and you, you think oh my god you know this looks cool and look at the the investors that are lining up to to go mm-hmm. in this and and all of a sudden you're not even looking at the product or the service itself you think well if these guys all think that it's great then surely it's great let's get involved and then there's that sort of echo chamber that is getting right. and we're talking about millions of dollars being invested sometimes on a on a whim and uh, and I think there's a lot of inefficiencies here. I really do. Uh, so those are the main pitfalls. And it's, it's all about getting involved with the right people who can break down the opportunity correctly um, and, and make pure business decisions, really. Okay, fantastic. Well, Daniel, th- this has been uh, terrific. Uh, really enjoyed having you on. And uh, thanks for sharing uh, your knowledge and your wisdom in this area. Uh, as as, as you know, I said before, I 
know absolutely nothing about sports. So, um, you know, it's always an education. Uh, so thanks very much for being on, on Definitely Uncertain. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Dan. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, look out for more episodes uh, coming your way soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Daniel. Bye for now. <laughs>